As we're recording the Morrison's Mustang podcast, these are going to be some things we come across in uh, conversations that happen around the studio that might give you a look inside some of the information behind Morrison's Mustang. Man, there are a lot of weird coincidences between Jim Morrison and Carroll Shelby um, that make it really odd that, that Jim ended up owning one of his cars. I mean, both of these guys are from much more conservative parts of the country. Uh, they both went west. Uh, Jim uh, from Florida originally, uh, Carol Shelby from Texas. Uh, they both end up in Venice, California. Now, Shelby was a racer. He was a, uh, a serious driver, but he had major heart problems. By the end of his first season as a driver, he knew, uh, this isn't going to work, man. I am going to kill somebody if I keep going out on the track because I'm going to have a heart attack and I'm going to crash. So Shelby left his racing career and decides, you know what? I'm going to build cars. But I can't build just any cars because they don't make the cars I want. So what he decides to do is take this little bitty English sports car chassis, um, which was AC, uh, English sports car chassis, just a tiny little little car, and shoehorn a small block Ford V8 in it. And they called that the Shelby AC Cobra, or the AC Cobra, or rather, later on it became just the Ford Cobra. That went over really big. The Cobra was, uh, was a, a huge success. Everybody was crazy about him. Um, so pretty quickly, he came up and um, shoehorned a Ford V8 into a Sunbeam Alpine and made the Sunbeam Tiger. And then after that one, he put a roof on the original Cobra and made the Cobra Daytona uh, to go racing in. Um, you can still buy copies of those, but uh, they, they never were built for the street. And then uh, he ends up through his connection with Ford pretty quickly. Uh, Ford introduces the Mustang in late year 64. And Shelby decides, oh boy, I can do something with this. So first, there's just the Shelby GT350. So the GT350 has a small block Ford, but it's it's hopped up. It's got improved suspension. It's got you know it's got all the Shelby builder touches. So the GT350 does really well. Everybody likes it. It's a cool car. And Shelby goes, okay. What if we put a big block in there? So the Mustang. I know now they don't look as small. Um, in the mid-60s, the Mustang was a compact. It was a tiny car. Um, there were a few, you know, true minis in Europe and you know, Prince and NSU. There, was some, there were some minis running around. But for America, the Mustang was a compact car. So to put a big block V8 in it, that was cool as shit. Everybody loved that. So for 67, Shelby introduces the GT500. That's going to have the 428 Cobra Jet, dual four barrels, I mean, this is a big motor in a little car. And of course, this has to be the one that Jim picks. Uh, first year for the big block, Jim gets delivery of one of the new big blocks. Uh, his friend Jay Sebring, uh, you'll hear a lot about him in the podcast. Jay had a GT350 uh, from the previous year. So Jim's was bigger and faster and louder and meaner. And so I, I think, you know, that might have appealed to him, but just the, the number of coincidences that come together there both of these guys going out west they're both rebels they both do things differently they both end up in venice beach california of all places 
and the first year Shelby introduces his Mustang, the GT500, the, the pinnacle of his thing, Jim buys one. And then next year, Ford Corporate takes over, Shelby's out, uh, the rest of the Shelby Mustangs end up being built in-house at Ford, they're no longer built in Venice Beach. And uh, much like when we lost Jim, it's the end of another era.